Hello and welcome to the Building Your Path podcast. This podcast records the stories of those who have achieved their own form of success in their respective fields. Today we have Ms. Dawn Brewer, a Los Angeles-based lawyer who specializes in health law. Please enjoy. Wonderful. Thank you very much for being with me today. Happy to do it. And so what is your definition of success? Professionally, I think my definition of success is that if I can spend most of my days stimulated and doing something I consider a value, I am successful. Do you believe that you have achieved that or is that something that you are continuously achieving? I think the answer is yes to both of those. I think that um, when I look back, given that I've been working for a while, that I can see definitive measures of success, but I can tell you that I still feel like that I'm stimulated and of value pr- pretty much on a, on a basis. And on most days I learn, I teach and I problem solve and all those things are uh, really important to me. And so um, did you have this idea in high school? Is this something that you've always, um, I guess from your child and teenage years, is this something that you've always wanted to do? I would say no. Um, I don't think I really understood that I wanted to be a lawyer until I was almost finished with college. I knew I liked people. I knew that I liked things that were uh, intellectually challenging, but that required me to uh, work as a team, sometimes to involve people who maybe have differences of opinion, but we could work on common goals. But I really didn't see myself in the law or what the law could be for me as a career until I was finishing college. And so um, you said that you grew up in a um, rather uh, small high school. Can you maybe elaborate on your experience there? Sure. I grew up in a rural area in Oklahoma. The Definition of rural is probably different for different people, but I'll tell you that there were about 30 people in my high school class and only a few hundred in the entire uh, small town where I grew up. It was uh, the kind of place where uh, community was really involved uh, in both uh, the activity of the small town, but also in the school. So uh, people's families understood that uh, it would take more than just the family to probably communicate and educate with uh, the kids and everyone knew everyone. So it was a different experience. It was uh, in the eighties when I graduated high school, but uh, it was not a place where people had a lot of uh, outside aspirations, meaning that not a lot of people from the high school where I went went on to college and it wasn't seen necessarily as a bad thing. There were plenty of people who went to the military, plenty of people who got vocational training like in a skill or a trade like plumbing or something else that's valuable. But um, there were a few of us who decided to go on to college and of those 30 people there is, well myself who's a lawyer, but there's also a doctor, a graduate of the seminary, um, a college professor, so um, it's not as though it c- couldn't happen in those small beginnings, but um, it was pretty varied. 
And so how did this really then lead to, I guess, you going to college? So did you, at the end of high school, decide, okay, you wanted to go to college? And then how did that um, lead you from there? What really sparked your um, passion for the law? I think the best way to describe it is that I always was curious enough to read. And I always sought out opportunities to read uh, as a small child and through high school. And... Uh, the small community had a lending library with a larger uh, city where you could get access to more information. It wasn't the days of internet then. And I always was curious and I wanted to travel and I wanted uh, to learn about different culture and uh, different experiences. And so I knew that education would be my only way to do that. And so in high school, I set about uh, applying uh, myself to trying to get to whatever would be my next step. I wasn't uh, able economically to go to college without a scholarship. So I um, did pretty well in high school and I tested uh, fairly well, but not exceptionally well. But it got me a few scholarships to nearby colleges where I did well enough to parlay that into scholarships at a, a larger university where I did well enough to um, get into uh, the public law school and was scholarship to there. So it really was a matter of working my way through it, not necessarily having a definitive plan, but using everything I was learning at every step I was taking to um, decide what I did and didn't want to do. I didn't want to be in a lot of debt. I didn't uh, want to uh, pretend that I could uh, master more of that expense than I could, uh, but I knew that I had interest enough and I was willing to work hard. And luckily, uh, we live in a country and still have a system where you can apply yourself under those circumstances and um, navigate it. And that's what I did. Were you working with, um, I guess, were you juggling things during college? Did you just have your schooling to work out on or were there other aspects of your life that you had to um, take care of as well? Yeah, well, you know, I was single uh, through all of uh, my educational experience, so I was fortunate to not have family obligations that I had to take care of. But um, I did have to work uh, in order to, uh, you know, afford expenses of college, even though I had some assistance from grants and scholarships, I didn't really want to take out loans and so I, I worked uh, second and third jobs. Sometimes I worked when I was on campus and then uh, sometimes I got off campus jobs, but those taught me a lot about myself and they taught me a lot about, frankly, the law and they taught me a lot about what I did and did not want to do professionally. So they were all part of my education and I highly recommend it. I think it's really good uh, for all of us to get a, a better sense of how the world works and part of that is through working in it. And so you're saying that you got your scholarship to then go and um, obviously pursue, pursue this higher education. What is your view on right. like these, um, well, as you say, these expensive law schools? Yeah, well, it, it's only my opinion, but I think it's borne out in um, my experiences with the law. I've been practicing for a few decades now. And what I know is that it, it's always... Um, prestigious for folks to talk about uh, getting into great law schools 
And I think there is some branding that goes on with that when you can say that you were accepted or admitted to one of uh, the country's top 10 law schools, for example. But really, once that you get past the top 10, most law schools are adequate if they're accredited. Uh, it really did not make that much difference when I got out of law school, and it certainly hasn't made that much of a difference in my professional experience with most people who practice law. Well, it's true that some law firms will um, like to say that they only hire from certain law schools or certain tiers of certain law schools, and there are a few that do that. The vast majority of lawyers who practice and make um, great lawyers and uh, great professionals in the practice are lawyers who have gone to law schools that did not cost an arm and a leg and were not the top 10 law schools. And most of those lawyers are responsible for most of the law that is beneficial and is uh, frankly um, profitable in uh, rewarding in the practice. I, I am not disparaging any of the top law schools. Certainly people who go there and expend those funds think it's a good investment, but on the whole, I don't know that that is for everyone, and I certainly would not uh, expect people that did not get into those law schools to give up on the idea of a legal career that was meaningful. What would be your advice to someone who maybe would be interested in getting into these professions and, I guess, applying to these schools and trying to set out a path for themselves to accomplish um, this goal? Um, I'd start uh, first by asking yourself why. Why do you want to do it? And the reason I say that is because why is one of those questions that uh, changes from time to time, right? You know, depending upon where you are in your life and what your decision tree is, your why for doing something could change. But when you want to make an investment in something that takes as long um, as it takes to become a lawyer, both in education and sitting for a bar, and then in really learning the practice once that you're out, I think you really need to want to do it, much like medical school or being an architect or some of the other professions where it does take a huge commitment. And if why you want to be in the profession is uncertain or it is um, less than evolved, I would encourage you to take a break and not pursue it immediately and make sure that you really want to be a lawyer. And when I say that, I mean that um, it, most people uh, have an idea of what the law is, but in reality, the law is a lot of work, but it's also a, a terribly important profession if you treat it as that and you want it to be that. I think a, a lot of people who talk to me about a career in the law think about the law as a system of rules about what you can't do. But what I find is that over the decades of doing this, that my practice is much more about using law to create things, to repair things, or to advance something. And I think a lot of lawyers have that experience. But when I talk to lawyers who uh, either are unhappy in the profession or students who are not sure that they wanna go and they say that they don't like the profession because the profession um, is uh, a lot about, uh, I'll say, the things that seem like doing the same thing over and over again, almost like factory work. I would say that 
that's someone who has not found their place in the law and it is not fulfilling for them. So my advice to anyone who's considering law is to understand why you want to do it and see it as something more than a system of no's. See it more in terms of that creativity that comes from working with something to create or craft something that could be beneficial, not just for you, but for those you're working with and for some bigger system. And when you can commit to something like that, I think even if you ultimately don't end up practicing law, most people find the usefulness of learning how to do that uh, applicable to other things. And then I think that it's worth it. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And um, I was wondering, because you're talking about this, I guess, um, this passion for the law. So then what would be your favorite part of the process? Hands down, my favorite part of the practice of law is when I can teach someone who doesn't know what they need to know enough that they feel empowered to use what they've learned to make their situation better, whatever that might be. And so you say that, um, it does, uh, you say that you enjoy constant change about uh, the practice. So is that specific to your branch specifically, which is health law? It certainly is now. I think that when I began the practice, things were probably a little slower to change in terms of the law. But over the decades, healthcare law in particular is made in more informal ways than passing a statute or having a case decided by a judge. In reality, healthcare law determines how people access care, what the quality of the care is, and how it gets paid for. And increasingly, the law around those areas are items that can be posted by the government on a website and can be changed without a lot of interaction. It still has the effect of law, but it requires you to pay attention and to stay on top of things. But it's also exciting because that when we develop a new way of treating a disease or diagnosing a disease or even a new way of accessing your health care like through a video like telehealth or using a laser to repair something versus a scalpel. These are new and exciting times and it's fun as a lawyer to be a part of the process of trying to have the law catch up to where the science is heading and be a part of the process of making that happen. So it does change rapidly, but for me that's exciting because I never do the same thing two days in a row. So what drove you specifically to health law? Did, were, you, um, were you in law school when you made this decision to go into this field or did you try around and see where you found most enjoyable? I will be honest with you and say that I was lucky enough to be a generalist when I started. I sampled a lot of different types of law when I was in law school, meaning I studied different kinds of classes. I didn't concentrate. I rejected a lot of things that just held no interest for me. But 
I was drawn to things that were still about relationships and about science. But it wasn't until I started practicing law with my first law firm where I was uh, exposed to the opportunity to interact with clients that were in the healthcare field. And they were university health centers and uh, developers of devices and uh, technology, as well as just really amazing physicians and uh, dentists and other types of individuals who were fascinating for me because they came from all walks of life. They were from all kinds of places and of all different kinds of religion or lack thereof. And they all came around the issues that we helped them with, with a common set of priorities. And for me, I saw that as an opportunity to do what I always really thought about when I was in that rural community, which was to travel, to learn from others, to be exposed to different types of languages and cultures and religions. And healthcare was the perfect opportunity to do that because so many in the field are from different places and are different than I am. So I fell into it when I first started practicing. And after I practiced for a number of years, I decided that I wanted to concentrate in healthcare law. So I went back to school and got what's called a Master of Health Laws. And that's uh, something that allowed me to focus on a little broader impact uh, for policy and for creating laws around healthcare that really gave me uh, some more context than I was getting when I was just practicing law. What differentiates the health law process from, let's say, what um, I guess the public is more um, aptly familiar with? Yeah, I think most people think that healthcare law is really about health insurance or malpractice when someone makes a mistake in delivery of healthcare. But really, that's such a small portion of what health law is and what it speaks to. Healthcare law design systems much broader they do them on an individual basis and on a global basis. The World Health Organization is governed by some tenets around health law. The decisions about research that involve human subjects involve healthcare law. How a university can teach students to become doctors involves healthcare law. How we as a government decide to tax and spend for the purpose of uh, people's health care like Medicare and Medicaid all involves health law. But it would surprise you probably to know that health law is also important for things like preventing the spread of uh, public diseases, uh, everything from infections to sexually transmitted diseases, uh, HIV. Health law is the underpinning of all of those areas and uh, it's fascinating. How has this uh, pandemic affected your uh, practice? Like most people, uh, it is nothing like it was the day before uh, we knew we had a public emergency. In the days before the public emergency, we certainly understood that it was a dynamic practice and that things were busy. But now that the emergency has been declared, and so many people 
in the profession and in the delivery of healthcare are focused on how do we continue to meet our responsibilities, whatever they might have been, in light of these new restrictions and these new demands, means that every day my phone rings multiple times with a novel question or a novel problem that we've never encountered before. And the rules that apply pre-COVID oftentimes no longer apply. So we're asked on a very uh, expedited basis to try to help teams formulate a path forward and to use the law to do that. And uh, it has been in a number of ways exhausting, but it's also been exhilarating. How has this new, I guess, uh, field for you, the, the, what the pandemic has caused, how has it, I guess, altered your day-to-day -day life, how you approach a situation or how you would go about um, addressing a problem? I think professionally, it has required me to uh, pause when I first talk with anyone who's calling, whether it's an existing client or a new client, because that whoever's on the other side of the phone or the video for me has a context that is going to be somewhat unknown and that I need to understand. It used to be that I could rely a great deal on much of my experience to say that I could hit the ground running if you if you think about it that way. So if you called me and said I'm one, two, three, I kind of had an idea of what that would mean for solving your problem or helping you do what you needed to do. But now it's a given that whoever's calling is probably dealing with at least one or two things that impact what their question is and how I can be of help to them. So I think day to day, it requires me to pause a little bit and to be a little more humble, honestly, about the gravity of the situation, even if it's on an individual client, because a number of people who are essential to care and essential to really all of our well-being are under tremendous stress and have a myriad of things that are affecting their ability to do their job well. And part of what our profession has over the years lost some of is the counselor part of the counselor at law. And in COVID, I think I've learned more to listen and to try to understand before that I have an answer and I am aware that sometimes there is no answer for the particular question in this COVID environment. We may be able to get a partial answer or we may be able to navigate to a place where we can pause before answering, but for some of these things, we just don't know. And um, that makes the practice uh, challenging, but it also makes it purposeful. What would you say are some of the best and hardest parts of your job? I think some, I'll start with the end. Uh, I think some of the hardest parts of the job are realizing that the profession draws some in, 
incredibly smart people, both as my peers and as my clients. And they're all people who are typically really driven uh, achievers, and they are people who are successful in their own right. And sometimes you have differences, and it's difficult in the profession sometimes to divorce the substance from the personality, both in the healthcare side and in the legal side. And I, I think it's a it's a constant in the profession that we have to maintain some sense of wellness in our ability to take a pause from those things that seem more personality-driven than substantive. And uh, I'm uh, aware of that, and I encounter it on a regular basis. And sometimes it's easier than others to get past it. But I would say that's a difficult thing, and has always been a difficult thing in the profession, and particularly in my profession of the healthcare law. Um, in terms of the best things, I think one of the best things about my practice in health law, I'm not sure about other lawyers being the same, but in mine, I think generally speaking, the, one of the best things about it is that there, there is an effort to get to solution on most days. So rather than there being an absolute right answer or wrong answer, generally there is an outcome-oriented process in the work. And so even though in some instances you're not necessarily getting all that you'd hoped for or it's not exactly as you intended, there usually is something productive or constructive at the end of it. And that's some of the best work that you can hope for, I think, uh, as a professional. What would be maybe some advice that you would like to give for someone who want to pursue this profession? Read about the law. Don't just watch movies, even though it's a great way to consume great drama and it's really inspiring and sometimes very funny. And do that as well. But read about uh, the practice and the study of law uh, because it's generationally meant, I think, for us to mentor folks as they come through the profession about why it's a profession and not just a job. And reading is required for the law. Reading and um, deep thought is required to be good at it most, at most days. And if you can read about the law and be intrigued by how something occurred or how the story unfolded and how the law was a player in that story, then I think you may have a future in the law. When we spoke earlier, you were discussing about how you saw people around you who um, uh, did their due diligence, found the correct path and became a lawyer. However, they were not 100% satisfied with their job. So what is your uh, viewpoint on this and how maybe others can um, avoid this or to solve this problem? I can only speak from my direct observation with friends and colleagues that maybe started the profession at the same time I did or that I've encountered and worked with over time. And they leave the profession or they um, stay in the profession but are unhappy in it. And in those experiences, I think the common thread is that they don't enjoy 
the nature of the work because that they chose the law either out of expectation of someone else or because they believed that it was a pathway for financial success. And over time, we've all learned in the profession that one of the worst things that can happen to you is to be paid really well to do something you hate. Because ultimately, your, your time is your greatest resource. And when you spend so much time preparing to be a lawyer, realizing that it's not for you, but you do it anyway, that investment of time keeps you doing it because you think that ultimately it improves or becomes something different. And in reality, um, if you are not drawn to it or you're doing it out of somebody else's expectation or status that goes with it, or because you think that it will uh, be a road to financial success, those are the common traits that I think I hear the most from people who are dissatisfied or who have left the profession. In terms of this idea of success, mm -hmm. what was your personal methodology or I guess path to finding what you believed you were satisfied with? At an unconscious level, I think that I wanted to constantly learn. At a conscious level, I think that I needed stimulation from people who would challenge me. And in that, I think the law was the natural place for me. So in the measure of success, uh, even though I have always been gainfully employed at it and I've worked in nonprofit and I've worked in for-profit big organizations and I have worked in government and now I have had my own firm for uh, more than 10 years. I can tell you that in all of those environments, the money was always secondary. The, um, the, the nature of who we were representing was always secondary. But success for me was built around the idea that as I worked, I got better and I got better at whatever I was working on by um, being around people who challenged me to be better. Um, that, that for me produced a, a successful model of work. Not everyone is that way, I realize it, but for me, that was the success model that I was uh, in need of in order to find the work meaningful and to constantly progress. If you had any, any last minute thoughts and advice to maybe someone who is thinking about pursuing law, but maybe on the edge or not really knowing what they wanna do, would you have any uh, guidance for them? I would tell them to work at a job doing something else for at least a few years. It doesn't really matter what that job is. My guess is that if you pick something else that you have some interest in and you work at that job and periodically just consider how the law intersects with that job, if you're still drawn to the law after that, then I would say it's easy enough for you to make a decision to go to law school then. Um, if you get some work experience, I think you also, with that life experience, are a much better law student and ultimately a much happier lawyer. Wonderful. Thank you very much. I've truly appreciated talking to you today.
And it's uh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for sharing this information with us. No problem. Take care. You too.